Kate, where are we? We are in an English clothes secondhand shop. Um, and why? Because you asked me to meet you here? It's true, I did ask. And I, the reason why I asked you is because I think these are one of the most interesting places in Budapest. Um, not only for buying clothes, but because on the outside you see English clothes written there in Hungarian, Angle, Ruha. And it's a way of advertising the fact that they sell secondhand clothes to people. And these clothes aren't made in England. They're probably made in China. And they're from brands that you can usually get also in Hungary anyway, but they've been shipped to England, used, and then brought to Hungary. Or at least that's what I imagine happens and what the clothes shops want you to believe. Anyway, what's interesting, I think, is that the clothes, by passing through England, a nation that I don't think is particularly well known for being uh, fashionable, uh, is given some magical extra trendiness or worth once it lands in Budapest, just because it has the Angle Ruha English clothes tag um, in the shop. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I think that re reveals something really fascinating about global clothing uh, and, the, well, the economy of global clothing, rather, and how it's not only clothes that circulate, but also the meanings people associate with clothes. So it's an interplay of meaning and materials that are changed both by physical and, I guess, imaginary geographies. Hmm, okay. And are other people thinking about this? And more importantly, how does this relate to sustainability? Actually, yeah. And the reason why I'm thinking about it as well. Remember last month when I was in Rotterdam, I met a lady named Hilda van Duin, and she's the creator of Eigendraads, and they're doing something really innovative, not with the types of clothes that end up in secondhand shops like this, but rather with used, non-rewearable textiles. I want to find out more. But before we do, I want to remind everyone that they're listening to Urban Arena, a podcast about sustainable and just cities that I'm Kate McGinn and you're Ian Cook, and that listeners can hear us again at the other side of this interview for a little debrief. So I'm really happy to have um, Hilda here from, I'm going to try and pronounce it, Eigendraads. Eigendraads. Almost. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, um, but it's based, uh, or at least your, your initiative is based on the idea of the, of the circular economy. So maybe let's start conceptual and then move into your actual approach. Like what's the circular economy and why did it inspire you to do something in your life? Yeah, so also directly make it very tangible. I used to be in, uh, well, in the fashion sector, in organic cotton. And I was very troubled with the uh, livelihoods of farmers producing organic cotton and whether or not when you buy a t-shirt in the shop, whether it was organic cotton or not. So I was not in circularity at all. It was very much in the production side. And um, I mean, success, sustainable success in my previous job was still producing more stuff. It had a better label. It had a better claimed impact, but it was still more stuff. And I started wondering, why why don't we actually use what is already there um, and turn it into new things? Because I very much focus on, I, I call it the trashy side of fashion. So very much when it's already waste, when it's already end of use. Uh, but of course, I mean, the different approach to that is that you could actually look into different business models. So renting, leasing concepts. Because also when we talk about eigendraads, I just want to make sure that we have to understand that actually recycling is a last resort. Rather, just wear things, don't buy more, uh, reuse, so secondhand market, repair. So those are all more favorable things to do than recycling. But if really there's nothing else you can do with it, then at least let's make sure that resources turn back into the chain. And that's the whole concept of circularity. And I specifically applied on textiles. <laughs> Great. So um, let's use our imagination. Imagine we left uh, um, this part of Rotterdam and, and moved into where you where you work. Like, um, I guess you have a, a warehouse or an office or uh, something. 
Yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So like, what do you, so you I mean, what, I mean, I just want to like, so your day to day, what is it you, what is it you do? Like you get a, you get some clothes in arriving and you rip them up and start again. Like I want to, I want to understand the well, process. Well, not yet. Um, so let's first uh, describe where I want to be. The, mm -hmm. So the process I have in mind, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about my day-to-day -day reality now, because I'm not yet where I actually want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and also maybe we, first to start with why I started doing something with all these used textiles. Yeah. Because it's quite an interesting business in the sense that I was in organic cotton before and everyone is more aware of what's happening in production. So we all buy, try to buy more sustainable products, but there are not that many people that actually are bothered about what happens after you've discarded them. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided to look into what happens to the clothes that you put in the collection bins from very often they are charities. And I started wondering, okay, so where do they go? And mo most of these garments are being exported. So they're being sorted. Part, only 5% is being reworn in, in this case in the Netherlands. And the biggest part is actually then being exported. So if we export 70% of all our textiles, and of course we have a growing mountain and it's getting tougher and tougher, we don't really know what happens to the textiles. Suppose part of these textiles will actually maybe be, re be reused or reworn in different countries, but a big part of those textiles will never be reworn. So while we are not allowed to do landfill here in the Netherlands, we actually export it and we don't know whether it's going to end up in landfill. And that's when I realized actually the Netherlands are number six uh, exporter and importer of used textiles. So we are, you know, we are trading people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we also found the trade in used textiles. And Rotterdam is the city where I live in. And uh, we have a very big port. So you can imagine used textiles have a very low value. We will not ship them using an airplane. They are all being shipped using ships. So they actually leave the country, leave Europe from the place I live in. And that's when I started wondering, okay, but then can we just stop the non-rewearable stuff, the stuff that is not so nice that we kind of know that no one will wear again? Can't we just take them away here? And especially the synthetic things, because if we export those, they might still be lying around in the landfill 200 years from now. So that's really why I started this initiative. And the aim is to take the non-rewearable textiles. And here I always have to explain a bit because people think that non-rewearable means it's broken. Mm -hmm. um, or it's dirty. And actually, it's not really the case. Non-rewearable entails that uh, they don't have value. So they don't have a commercial value anymore. These can be perfectly new garments with a price tag still attached, but they just don't have a value on the secondhand market. So what I do, what I intend to do is to take these garments and then take the polyester out. So I'm working with an organization that has developed the technology to do so. And then from this polyester, you can make new yarns. So that's really what we're also now doing in, in, in our organization. And my philosophy is that by doing so, you could actually create jobs here locally for people, uh, for instance, to remove buttons or uh, zippers or to create more sorting jobs. Hmm. So I'm, I'm, this is interesting about, about jobs. And I suppose I'm thinking about energy and labor intensive labor intensive processes and so on so we have something which is made and whatever mm. in a factory most probably nowadays in in asia or east yep. asia comes here yep. and then the the usual model is it gets exported to a landfill yep. let's say wherever but you're saying okay let's let's take it out and let's and let's rework it i'm just wondering like um from a pure sort of energy consumption sense mm -hmm. i'm wondering how then um i'd say how say sustainable then your practices are are they are they really are they really offering us something a, a new way out or are they just basically um allowing if we can now make if we could make new clothes in a less mm -hmm. intensive way would that not be better than uh, reusing in in a way it's not just like taking the, these unwearable clothes and cutting them up and putting them together again, but you're 
you're actually doing some quite quite a bit of processing with them. Yeah. So that's why I said it's a last resort. Okay. I mean, the, the ideal model is still, and, and also not all textiles that are being exported end up in the landfill. So part of those textiles, they have a perfectly good destination and they will be reused by people abroad. But a part of them will not. And, and so that's why I say it's really a last resort for textiles. And, 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 and I would never advocate for more recycling because in, a, in an ideal world, we would not need recycling. But it, it is it, in, the, in the current setting, it is the case that we need it. That's great. Yeah. And I'm wondering then, so the type of clothes that then would be produced like out of this, because mm-hmm. you, you're talking, then, I guess, about quite a small amount of clothes. So I guess you probably want to aim at something like more high end, expensive or, or what's no, the... No, no, because I don't believe that actually, maybe I've been working in the fashion industry too long to, to think that that would be a, a feasible idea. Um, so for me, one of the principles is uh, pri- there has to be price parity between your recycled feed, your recycled materials, resources and virgin alternatives. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no use. It, it will never work at scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and would you? I mean, and when and when you're talking about the the sort of the design of these clothes, is mm-hmm. there anything about the materials that you're? I mean, are you totally free to create whatever you want out of the recycled materials? I mean, is it like getting a blank slate again, or is there something because it's recycled that adds certain constraints or opportunities? Um, so we would uh, um, create the resources that can be used to make polyester yarn. And there, it's quite comparable to virgin alternatives. So in that sense, there are no really restrictions because if you have a yarn, you can basically make anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. And then, so in a, I'm just, I'm just thinking about cycles. And so one cycle is the circular economy, yeah. and the other cycle is something that like the, the fashion cycle, yeah. right? And then the fashion cycle is. Even for somebody who I have to admit, um, luckily everyone's listening at home, so they don't know what I'm wearing. But it's, <laughs> it's outside. It's nice. Don't worry. <laughs> <It's> nice. <laughs> so sometimes, if I after a few beers, I just go online and buy t-shirts. But, um, <laughs> this was uh, after a happy beer, and after, I think yeah. <laughs> so it's fine. But uh, you know, but uh, the cycles of fashion, even for some you know an observer mm-hmm. from the outside, I can see they're also getting tighter and tighter yeah. as well, right? And so I'm just thinking, um, okay, yes, you're right, and I know you understand it. Yep, it's a last resort, yeah. but what this process could be accused of doing is just, you know, adding a little another quirk to the cycle of fashion. If in the end, you know, people using this process and deciding to make stuff are just doing it to give some sort of extra social value to a garment which is produced, um, then I wonder how much you're disrupting existing, um, you know, wastages within yeah, the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, in, in a perfect world, we could completely eliminate the dependence on fossil fuels for the creation of polyester if we would close our loops with technologies like the ones I'm trying to apply. Mm -hmm. So it it wouldn't be greenwashing in the sense that uh, you just do part of it, but it's actually you you bring back materials that otherwise end up in a landfill. You bring them back in uh, virgin comparable uh, uh, forms. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so when you're talking about um, scalability, so now you're saying it's an idea in some way you mm-hmm. want to get to. So I'm wondering if I can ask you to uh, imagine your process like down the line. How can you imagine sort of scaling up um, your idea into something which is a viable operation? Like what's yeah. your next steps? Yeah. yeah. So what we're doing now, because uh, I, I hate being a person with an idea. So <laughs> I, I agree there. Uh, so I'm not anymore just a person with an idea, but we actually started a pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took textiles from uh, the Rotterdam Marathon. Uh, at the marathon, many people leave lots of clothes at the start it's because they want to be warm when they are waiting for the start of the marathon. And then once they start running, they basically throw out all their jackets and sweaters and no one is picking them up again. 
And uh, as, as you might know, the city of Rotterdam has quite some circularity ambitions. Um, and they decided that they wanted to look into the potential use of these textiles. So a part of these textiles from the start of the marathon were sold again in secondhand shops, which again is the preferable option. Um, and unfortunately, a part of the textiles could not be sold. I think it was around 40% of them. And I got those. So I got those as a feedstock and then uh, I asked the, the sheltered workshop that we have in Rotterdam, so people with some kind of disability, to remove buttons and zippers to see whether the work was suitable for their skill set and their interests, which fortunately um, it was. So they, some, um, not everyone, but most people enjoyed doing this. Um, and now the, these materials are being processed with my partner in the U.S., and at the next Rotterdam Marathon, we aim to present a product that has been made from the garments that have been left at the start of the marathon last year. So why do I do this? I think I could say there are three different goals with this pilot. So one, of course, I need to have a proof of concept because I don't want to stay a person with an idea. I want to be a person that actually makes sure that the installation gets here so that we get funders interested to invest in this. So that's one. There has to be a proof of concept. Two, I want to make the city aware of the value of textiles um, because cities actually play a crucial role when it comes to use textiles. And that for me is fascinating because I also always saw textiles as a private thing, right? You have brands and retailers, they make products and then they sell it to people. So it's a, it's a private sector. Actually, it's not because at the moment you dispose of your textiles, it becomes a public headache because they need to somehow make sure that these textiles are being collected and processed. Um, and in the current situation, most municipality cities have not really been looking into what happened to these textiles, resulting in this very big shift towards just exporting textiles, maybe even without sorting it really locally. Um, it's quite similar to, to plastics, where now more and more countries abroad actually start um, having bans on the imports of, of plastics because they are starting to say, well, you're actually exporting waste towards us. And I believe that the same thing is going to happen and we see some signs already with textiles as well. So my aim was not only to have a proof of concept, but actually also to show the city of Rotterdam the value of textiles and that they should start looking into that. And of course, the third one is to make people aware. So what always fascinates me as well is that actually no one really asks when they put their, their clothes in a, a container from a charity, what happens to them? Because you give them away. And if you ask people, so what is away? Where does it go? No one really thinks about it. So that's also what I try to achieve with this pilot to actually, for instance, at the start of next marathon, if there's a product that has been made with the things that have been left behind, then maybe suddenly people will start thinking about, hey, I left a jacket behind last year. Hmm, I never for one second thought again about what happened to the jacket. But maybe that is interesting to start asking questions or start investigating what happens with our used textiles as well. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think that um, often donations of, of clothes work for people as a sort of out of sight, out of mind yeah. uh, process. Oh, I'm doing yeah. something good. I'm not yeah. throwing it away. Yeah. It's getting reused. It's not even like you have to go through a walk of shame to get rid of your clothes, mm -hmm. but, but, but you even feel good about it. Yeah. Which is funny because no, no one feels good about the fact when they throw away their plastics. But for clothes, you feel good because you think you give it away to charity. And of course, part of the story is that that is good and some of these clothes will be reused and have a value. But in the Netherlands, we're now facing that 50% of everything that is being collected has no value, is non-rewearable. Mm -hmm. so, so that's really, I think, we should be more aware of that. 
It's interesting the sort of the, the the moral attachments people make to the act of, of giving and, and where they imagine it might go. Yeah. I was reminded uh, as you were talking then of ooh, how many years ago in Budapest? Three, four years ago in Budapest when we had the politically created so-called migrant crisis when the government closed the border between Austria and Hungary wouldn't allow refugees mostly coming from Syria and Afghanistan to cross the border and basically created a crisis. And at that moment, people were thinking, okay, well, what can they do? And lots of people started donating clothes. There were so many clothes donated, more than anyone could ever possibly wear, let alone carry with them. Yeah. And it was summer. And uh, yes. <laughs> so it was like, okay, but people still kept wanting to do it. And places yeah. kept saying, please stop donating. And people getting upset saying, oh, why are you telling me to stop donating? I'm trying to do something good. Yeah. And then at the end of all this, then there was just like piles of clothes. And then so these um, charities or organizations started them giving them to the homeless population of Budapest, which is yeah. pretty sizable. And people were upset at that. No, they're not meant for them. You know, like, uh, and it's like, we they imagined them for being for somebody else. Yeah. And um, so it's super interesting. I think that what your project can do or idea can do is really to make people think, okay, what exactly, exactly what happens at that moment things get uh, things get closed for yeah. them in their mind to reopen it up again. Yeah. 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 Super interesting. I want to um, think a little bit about where such a such an initiative fits into other ideas of circularity, other parts of the circular economy. So do you think that there's something in what you're doing which is transferable to different realms outside fashion or how does it speak to or draw inspiration from other people who are involved in circular initiatives? So uh, I must confess, I, I very much started this initiative. It was a, a crazy idea and I thought, oh, I will just ask for some uh, subsidy from the innovation fund of the municipality and who knows and then yeah, to my own surprise, actually, I, I got it. So I got started and never really did a full assessment of what others were doing. But what I uh, what I do see around me and, and the examples that are out there are actually quite similar in the sense that these are just individuals or, 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 or groups, but mostly people that start to get a very intrinsic motivation or an interest and start asking questions about what happens to sp- specific material groups. So I think another very... Very an example that uh, very much inspired me is the bread here in Rotterdam. So there's an initiative that's figured that actually lots of people, they don't want to throw away food. They don't want to throw away bread. So they would feed it to the ducks. Thing is, we live in Rotterdam, quite densely populated, <laughs> and we have lots of people that don't want to throw away food, maybe because of their religion. And that means that actually we have a growing rat population. Because uh, you throw away the bread, I mean, the ducks definitely cannot eat all of that. So there's another group of animals that just thinks, hey, that's actually quite nice. So um, at some point, uh, some individuals figured, hey, that's that's very interesting. We should start collecting the bread because we know something that we could actually do with it. So now in the city, if you look around, you can find specific containers just to collect bread in them. So I think um, for, for me, that, that's very much uh, comparable that, that some individuals just started asking questions and saw materials popping up somewhere and thought, hmm, maybe we can do something with that. And for me, it has been the same with this image of a growing mountain of used textiles. So imagine that other countries are going to restrict imports on used textiles. What is going to happen in Rotterdam? So we are, as I said, Netherlands number six exporter, importer of used textiles. Um, we export all of that. Uh, at the moment that at, uh, at the other side of the, of, of, uh, of the ocean, they don't want to have it anymore, then basically we are going to drown, not in water, but in this mountain of used textiles that we created ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that, that you should actually start looking into a material type and just 
asking questions about where it goes uh, and, and see what a potential solution it is. And as I said, I'm just organizing a last resort for textiles because I know that there are different uses that actually are more favorable than the one that I'm organizing. But then at least we have something. If nothing else can be done with it, then at least let's make sure it doesn't end up in a landfill abroad. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you, you mentioned last resort, and it brings me to my last question, which is um, thinking back to the wider fashion industry. Because mm-hmm. I, I imagine um, you'll agree with me when you say, like you're saying, it's this question of overconsumption in a sense, and then what to do with all this overconsumption. We basically buy too many clothes, we throw away too many clothes, um, partly because things come in and out of fashion. Okay, our mm-hmm. body shapes change, like, and so on. But we do. This seems to be ever tightening in ever tightening circles. So I'm wondering, thinking back to your time working in the fashion industry and and how you observe it now as a semi outsider, like, do you think there's any changes under underway inside the fashion industry to to think about sustainability in a broader sense? Yeah, circularity mainly. Um, so uh, you see more and more of the brands actually looking into renting and leasing concepts or take-back schemes. So I, I, I very much see a transition with all these brands. All of them have circular ambitions. And of course, we can discuss whether uh, it's realistic or whether they're really going to achieve that. And of course, still, they, they also produce too much. So, I mean, but but we are in a transition. And I think it's it's a very good sign that they are more and more getting interested in, in, in uh, yeah, different ownership models, for instance, for the products that they make. Um, but for me... Uh, uh, and, and I'm I'm definitely not someone that is going to campaign bigly to towards consumers, but I, I do hope to at least inspire some people to think differently about their own consumption patterns when it comes to textiles and fashion. Because if we all just keep having the assumption that whatever we buy remains of value because someone else will like to re- wear it after us, that's just not the case anymore. Maybe for some of the high, high-end garments that you might be buying, but for the big mass of what we buy, um, we then give it to a charity feeling good about ourselves, but actually it's not so nice. It's not always such a nice story. By working at the end, so creating a last resort for textiles and and, and telling about it, I very much hope that people start thinking differently about their own consumption patterns and that actually throwing away things uh, it, there should be some kind of walk of shame because, I mean, if we all intend to work uh, to, to have a circular world, then uh, you should also consider the fact of disposing of things is very, it, it, it's really the end of the line. It's not something to be fair, feel very proud about, but it's rather something that was inevitable. And then, of course, you, you should still do it. So, so that's what I really hope to achieve, that people, um, by thinking about what happens to the clothes that you've disposed of, uh, start also thinking a little bit more about their own consumption patterns. Mm-hmm. I said it was the last question, but I lied because now you, you made, <laughs> I'm not going to let you escape because I, I mean, uh, even though uh, I, I just, I feel maybe a little bit of unease about this walk of shame that you mentioned, because mm-hmm. I think it's like this sort of individualization or the scaling down of responsibility to individuals when um, I think the, the issue of fashion production and consumption isn't about whether me or you go out tomorrow and buy a new t-shirt or a new jacket, but it's about um, the overproduction and the economies that are driving um, circ- um, yeah, trends mm-hmm. in fashion and so on. So I think individually, okay, people can feel better or not if they throw something in a dustbin or they put it in recycling, whether, that, whether that's paper or clothes or whatever. But surely the question is actually on the production scale. So there I agree very much. But while we are still living in a capitalist world where um, that is what brands do, they will only do it if there's a demand. 
So I very much want to focus on the individual, but I know it's the uncomfortable part of it because it's always easier to blame it on whoever, fast fashion companies. It's not their fault. The only reason that there's overproduction is because there's a demand for it. So I, I mean, I, I know it's, it's, it's not comfortable. And I very often, uh, I've been telling some people here as well that at birthday parties, uh, um, yeah, I'm not always very happy to tell about my job. Because I may feel people feel a little bit uncomfortable because everyone <laughs> will have gone to buy new clothes for their kids yesterday or will have thrown away garments in the in the last week. I mean, that's just what we do. And of course, and, and still, if you want to dispose of garments, then please put them in the collection bin because that's still the only good thing that you can do. But I think I, I really want to address individuals on their own consumption patterns. Because if if there if there would not be such a demand, this whole engine of overproduction and overconsumption would not be uh, working at all. So I know it's uneasy, but I, I really think that also as individuals, we should think about our own consumption patterns. Well, Hilda, um, I can promise you I'm not inviting you to any of my parties, not only because <laughs> I don't want to feel uncomfortable, but also because you'll be the best dressed person there. Um, <laughs> Ooh, first time I hear that. But <laughs> Magic of radio, everyone now is imagining you probably dressed in some uh, extremely elaborate yes. uh, costume. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been really great speaking to you. It has been nice. Thank you. All right, Kate, did you like listening to me and Hilda? I did, and I have lots of thoughts about this topic. Uh, Hilda mentioned this, and and I want, really want listeners to understand the magnitude of this problem within fashion. Uh, I think sometimes we do not understand the amount of waste we produce, but I was doing some research, and just within the past decade, the amount of clothes that the EU has bought has increased by 40% per person. And an organization I was reading upon while doing some research, the Global Fashion Agenda, found that in 2015, 92 million tons of waste within the textile and clothing industry was created worldwide. Wow. Less than half of that is actually being reused and collected. And again, a lot of that is just being collected and in the end, not even used by real humans. And only 1% of the actual clothes that we use is being recycled into new clothes. And that is what Hilda is focusing on, that 1%, which I think is a really exciting field to be in. Yeah, it really is. And you know, I was, you know, I was thinking of when, um, when you were just telling me that, I was thinking, do, okay, I was younger then, but like, I'm just thinking that, I'm teaching now in a in a university for undergraduates a, a little bit, and the and the students there, every single day, they all of them are wearing different clothes. And I'm trying to remember when I was an undergraduate, if if I was doing that, and I'm not sure I was. I mean, like completely new outfits every day. Mm. I think I was probably more. In, maybe I'm not like the best example of of someone from who's caring so much. But like you know, I think. But I think for most of my maybe at least male friends, it was like one pair of trousers. Uh, and then you change your t-shirt or your shirt every day, uh, but not worrying so much about like the whole outfit, should we say? Mm -hmm. At least, at least not just for going into you know to sit in a to sit in a college room. And uh, so I was doing a little bit of research, and someone was saying, but this was just like some, on some internet forum that on average now in Europe people own one hundred items of clothing. Oh my yeah. god! So I was wondering, how many items of clothing do you own? <laughs> <laughs> Two suitcases full. Probably not that much. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. That's you're you're um, exactly. Yeah. So, but. Yeah, but it's but it's interesting, right? Like how many? And I think probably yeah, I definitely own probably more 
clothes and my parents. Um, well, or we yeah. own stuff and we don't even use it. So this is what I was reading. We really don't use uh, close to 30% of our wardrobe. So there's 70% that we use day to day. And then there's so much that just lies around. And then in the end, ends up in landfills. Yeah, which is insane. Completely, I mean, completely I have, insane. I have 10 scarves. I use two tops. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and why did you buy them? That's the question. I think going out, going shopping, that's a hobby. That's what you do socially. Other people expect you to do that. It looks nice in the shops. You know, fashion advertises it a certain way. And and, and, I, and I appreciate that Hilda really is trying to look at this issue and try to find an interesting piece of technology that works to solve problems. And, and you know, there are so many startups working in this space, developing uh, new clothes through food waste, through algae. They're creating microbes that eat polyester and then be able to use that to create other uh, other clothes. There's so much innovation happening. And, and this is something you mentioned, you mentioned while talking to her. I feel like sometimes we're making the problem seem to have a more complex solution than it needs to be. And so my question, and you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is why don't we just consume less? We don't have to create all this technology. Why don't we just start the trend of slow fashion? Because, I mean, yeah, okay, that, that would be great. I think I think because um, people won't do it. First one thing is why do people wear clothes? We can, okay, we, we just put aside the question of the sort of the economic side of the global fashion industry forcing us to constantly, you know, change, change, change. People like to wear clothes to express themselves. That's why people dress in different ways, right? People choose, it's a, it's a form of expressivity, which which we would do no matter what our cultural situation is. We just happen to be living in this particular cultural situation, which demands sort of um, changing fashion. So you'd still have to allow ways for people to express themselves. And um, and, and I suppose the other, the other reason why we don't um, is because, and this is a trouble that environmental politics has had for a long time is you're going to have to trying to persuade people oh you're going to have to have less of something is really is a really difficult sell Mm. so um i think this is where you find a lot of resistance to environmental movements is when you tell people that oh you know what you 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 can't go on holiday you can't uh, fly to meet your friends in another continent you know you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that and it can seem all the time as if we're telling people oh you need to be more i don't know yeah, you, you need to have less fun in your life. It's a really hard sell politically to do that to people. For, well, yeah. And economically. I mean, this doesn't yeah. fit into our capitalist model to do exactly. less. Exactly. That doesn't have funding. That doesn't have, you know, startups vying over the opportunity yeah. to do something. With yeah. So I'm saying like maybe the, there'll definitely be people who are into slow fashion. And it's a good thing. Definitely, I think so. And I, But I just wonder like how to persuade that to be a really big thing. That needs a massive cultural shift which goes beyond fashion. It just goes beyond basically people wanting a humanity as a whole deciding I want to or we want to uh, have less and um, unfortunately that means probably changing the economic system so but but I'd say like putting that to a side within the world of fashion I guess that's why what Hilda does is interesting because she's not actually she's working within I guess the current paradigms I don't know how transformative then necessarily it is but maybe it's a way of allowing people to continue to consume fashion without uh, I don't know without uh, without changing the system i don't know if that's a necessarily a good thing but <laughs> or it's just like it's, it's yeah. a step it's a step forward i think i mean it's definitely better than doing nothing i mean there's a larger thought about why are humans vying for uh, social acceptance through clothes through spending money there's all these other things that maybe are the root cause but that's something that is a lot harder to 
solve. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you have uh, since listening to uh, our discussion, have you uh, bought any clothes? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I've actually, I've actually haven't. No. Okay, okay. Well, let's. Anyway, we should hear from people at home if they've been, uh, if they've been uh, motivated to stop buying clothes uh, after after listening to uh, the conversation with Hilda. And if people do want to tell us about their clothing uh, shopping habits, how can they do so? Yes, you can email us through the contact form found at our website urban-arena.eu or at urbana at ceu.edu. And you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle at arena underscore urban. Yeah, and we really do want to hear from you, not only about what clothes you are not buying, but if you have any thoughts about this topic or any of the others that we have been discussing so far this series. See you next month. Bye. This podcast is part of the three-year project Urbana, Urban Arenas for Sustainable and Just Cities. It was funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme.